Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Robotics, technology, and building your competitive edge through competition. Just three topics we talk about with our guest today, Dan Pantano. Dan is the president and CEO of Alpha Broder Primeline, one of the foremost leaders in the industry with more than 90,000 customers. They ship over 50,000 boxes and more than a million units of product a day. It's a massive operation. And we chat with Dan about some of the most pressing issues facing Alpha Broder, how they are building a more streamlined operation with a wider footprint, and also, since Dan's notoriously competitive, we talk about where this comes from, and he provides some great insight on why we set our goals too low. I think you'll love his conviction on this topic. And finally, Dan is running for the PPAI board. We talk about what he considers the most pressing issue, limiting industry growth, and where he will invest his time and energy. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lee Hugh, Comet Chief Content Officer. And before my chat with Dan, I just want to mention one quick thing. Registration is open for Product Summit Holiday and Gifting. Now, if you're not familiar with Product Summit, Product Summit's a fresh take on product education, combining real-world learning with on-trend product ideas, plus stories from pros in the trenches. The purpose of the Product Summit is to elevate how we think about product experiences in the industry, as well as equip you with innovative ideas. And the best part? It's designed with your busy life in mind. It's jam-packed with fresh insight, examples, and the latest in product trends, all in only three short hours. Invite your team to join us for this virtual experience on September 14th from 2 to 5 p.m. ET. You can register at commonskew.com slash product summit. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work-from-anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more, visit commonskew.com. Now, here's my chat with Dan. So Dan, according to ASI, Alpha Broder grew 11% year-over-year sales, which is an astounding jump considering the liabilities that many in the industry had to deal with. What's behind that growth? What are the trends driving this? Well, you know, frankly, we, we saw really strong growth um, that started in really Q2 of 2021 and played itself out, uh, you know, all throughout last year. And we've seen that throughout this year. And, and obviously as we've gone through 2022, I think things have slowed a, l- a little bit, um, obviously just cause comps, um, have gotten tougher, uh, as the year's gone on. But, uh, you know, we, we continue to see, um, you know, an industry that has rebounded, obviously the opening of the re- economy and everything that, that started happening in 2021, I think, uh, in 2022, I think events, have been stronger, yeah. uh, you know, obviously this year than last year, just as far as the number of events, attendees at events. I mean, I think that's helped our business, but you know, it's been interesting. And this probably started back in the pandemic is we, we continue to see a really strong push for what we call better goods, which are you know, branded products, retail brands, our own private brands. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that is driven by you know, our customers really wanting to drive a better uh, experience for their customers. And yeah. so you think about employee engagement, you think about customer satisfaction. Um, so we've, we've seen that trend be, you know, continue to be really, really strong, um, you know, throughout 2022. 
Yeah. So the better brands is increasing. That, that, that That's what I'm hearing a lot in the industry in terms of order, order average is increasing. There's a lot of push toward higher brands. Um, did Q3, how has Q3 been for you so far? Did it exceed expectations? Was that about expectations? There are a lot of yeah, mixed Yeah, we, 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 we met expectations, but I think as I, I mentioned before, I mean, we were definitely, as we looked at how the year trended in 2021 and, and plan yeah. for 2022, we were expecting that year-over-year growth to slow down just because the comps as the year went on, got more difficult. But I, I do think the market is probably softened a little bit. And I think as I talk to our supplier partners, um, I hear that same uh, sentiment. And, and I think you know some of that can be probably attributed to the fact that I think last year, to some extent, was a bit of an anomaly because you had so much pent-up demand as businesses reopened, employees came back to work. Um, and so maybe it was a bit overstated uh, in 2021, and now it's come back to a more normalized state. But yeah. you know, as, as we talk to our customers, I mean, the sentiment um, is for, for the remainder of 2022 is really, really positive. Um, yeah. I think our yeah. customers are feeling bullish about, uh, you know, the remainder, you know, the next four months uh, for 2022. Yeah, I'm hearing that too. How do you split revenue at Alpha, in other words, what what main business lines do you categorize in sales? Is it Alpha's revenue, Prime's revenue, decorating? Like, how do you, how do you split that? About every way you can possibly imagine. <laughs> we're uh, we're a pretty data intensive uh, organization. I mean, we look at at everything to look at the trends uh, in the business. You know, whether it's geographical, if it's customer segments, you know, obviously by product segment. I think what you were referencing. Um, you know, we obviously break out hard goods and apparel. Then within each of those categories, we have subcategories. And even within categories, uh, we, we look at things from a kind of a good, better, best price point perspective to, to get a sense of trends, uh, you know, down to the subcategory level. So we look at it really, really closely. We, we, we you know, obviously on a, on a regular basis, you know, are kind of analyzing where the business is going, where the trends are. And obviously, trying to get out in front of things as much as we can, uh, especially in a, in a supply chain constrained environment that we're in. Um, that's really, really important. But yeah, we, we, we slice and dice it a thousand different ways. It yeah. seems. I, I'd heard, actually, I was talking to Mark and he said that you, you're, you get daily reports like this is your yeah. Oh, yeah. daily. And, and how does that give you, it's, that's fascinating to me. And obviously the, it's a massive organization. So mm-hmm. does that help you keep your finger on the pulse of things uh, yeah. versus um, weekly, well, monthly? Probably we, you know, I could argue we probably overdo it. Um, you know, literally we, we start getting reports at six seventeen in the morning, um, right. every morning. <laughs> so like we all have our standard daily reports that we go through, but it, it, it like we know what, you know, we know what Mondays look like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursday, Fridays. Right. I mean, so we, there's a trend to the business, you know, seasonally. Yeah. And then even within the week, there's a trend. So we look for certain things and we break out, you know, customer segments on a daily basis so we can see what's happening with decorators or PPDs. And mm, right. So, yeah, it's, you know, probably, you know, analysis uh, by paralysis, right? Um, you can overanalyze, but it, it does give you a pretty good sense of how the business is trending week to week, month to month. Yeah. Have there been trends that have surprised you this year or categories that surprised you or a lot of these were kind of expected? I think for the most part, things are, are meeting um, kind of our expectations as we look at, you know, when we set our plan for the year, we absolutely do it by all the different product categories and subcategories. Um, and there hasn't really been, you know, any surprises. I think the other you know, nuance to this year versus last year is our inventory position um, for the most part is much stronger 
uh, on a broad basis across our portfolio with certain areas like retail brands. We, we've definitely had our challenges and we continue to have our challenges and we're obviously focused on working with our, our retail partners to, to rectify that. But, um, you know, the inventory equation, you know, there's a big difference to where we're at in inventory this year versus where we were last year. So you've got to kind of factor that into to kind of what's happening from a growth perspective as well. Right. Have you had major shifts in the way you're handling your inventory? I'm purchasing. I can only imagine um, <clears throat> on the scale of which you work, um, have fundamentally, philosophically, like have you changed strategy based on last year's, uh, the past couple of years disruption? Yeah, we, we've done a lot with our manufacturing partners. I would say from a strategy perspective, when we're clearly carrying more safety stock and our core SKUs than mm. we, we have, have in the past. Um, right. uh, you know, we're carrying extra weeks of supply that we normally wouldn't have done um, and just trying to protect it. Part of that is a result of all the orders that we placed. I mean, you go back to even at the end of 2020, early 2021, I mean, we, we placed POs with our, our major manufacturers, uh, you know, for a full year. Um, and then we had add on orders as the year went. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we did even last year and the beginning of this year, you know, that inventory uh, is coming in um, into the pipeline. So we're carrying more inventory in the core SKUs than we ever have. Um, what you're starting to see now with our manufacturers is the ancillary styles, the ancillary colors, you know, what we call the holes, where we've had a lot of holes from an inventory perspective, they're starting to fill those. Um, so they're mm. starting to shift their production away from their core SKUs because the inventory has now gotten in a better place and starting to right. fulfill those ancillary SKUs. But we've done things um, with our manufacturers uh, that you know we did a little bit in the past, but like now, you know, for some of our big suppliers, you know, we're getting 75% of our product direct from the factory right into our DCs. And before that used to flow through their domestic DCs and we would replenish out of those. So, you know, we did that in an effort to take, you know, a week or two out of the out of the supply chain to reduce our lead times. And yeah. I think that model will probably stick. It's a more efficient model. Mm. Um, you know, you have less inventory in the entire pipeline uh, than yeah. you did before. So there's a lot of things like that that we've done uh, that have kind of helped us work through the challenges, but I think are also, uh, you know, more sustainable. That'll help uh, the supply chain as we go forward. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're, you're a very competitive person when I ask your team, I said, Hey, what can I ask Dan that, uh, <laughs> that uh, about, about that, uh, hasn't hit our list yet. And he said, he's really competitive. So let's talk about that. <laughs> a little bit. As you look at alpha broder prime success, what makes it markedly different than your competitors? Um, well, I mean, I think, and then, you know, this, I mean, we're the only supplier that has a full line of apparel and a full line of hard goods, you know, this true one-stop solution um as we call it you know so we can sell apparel we can sell hard goods we can sell it decorated we can sell it blank um and we've kind of taken it a step farther than that we're now doing um uh decoration so we have our hard goods products uh you know the faster selling products in our harrisburg pennsylvania alpha broder you know the legacy alpha broder warehouse and also in our fresno california warehouse we're going to be uh, doing the same thing in our dallas dc that, that that'll wow be live by the end of Q2 uh, in 2023. So now we have combined facilities. And when you think about, you know, yeah. being able to ship decorated hard goods, decorated apparel uh, together, um, we think, you know, it's a great, uh, mm. it's a great platform for success. But the one big project that we've been working on uh, this year is what we call our one-stop solution, which is building our front-end website. So we're going to be launching in January of 2023, combined website that'll have both of our hard goods and apparel products. You can buy them decorated. You can buy them blank. 
Obviously, I just talked about the combined facilities that we're going to have. So we're going to have a national footprint. Uh, but you think about the possibilities now having that platform in place from both the front end and how our customers orders, how they order. And then on the back end and how we deliver the product, you, know, you think about kitting, you think about packaging. Those are yeah. two huge areas of focus for our customers. And we want to be able to, to help them do that. And obviously, we're going to have a platform now that we can build upon that will enable us to, to really build out that capability. Yeah, that's incredibly robust. Um, I want to get back to that in just a minute, but I want to mm-hmm. stay on one topic of goal setting and 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 challenging uh, uh, your team and things like that. What have you learned about? I know you're fiercely competitive, uh, and what have you learned about goal setting that has been vital to you and your team as a leader? Um, I think I've, I, I, don't, I don't know when I learned this, but um, you know, I think for me, it's it really steps back. You know, with with individuals or even as teams and, you know, stepping back and saying, how do you define success? You know, what does success look like? Uh, and I think all too often we kind of set our, you know, we set low expectations a lot of times. Um, I think for us as individuals and I think um, for, for teams and to me, that you know, the ultimate definition of success would be reaching your full potential. And you can say that's, you know, what does that mean? Um, but when I think about it, it's, you know, the bar is so much higher than people think they can achieve um, on their own or collectively as a team. And, and for me, it's really pushing the boundaries of what is possible. Um, yeah. And both as you're managing individuals and what they can do, but also as you think about the team collectively and really harnessing that power, uh, you know, for a broader organization. So, you know, that's to me is getting people to think, you know, much more aspirational about what's yeah. possible. Um and, and I think, you know, it's, it goes beyond, you know, hitting your plan or hitting your targets. Um, it's really yeah. being the best that you can be at whatever it is that you do. It sounds like a personal mantra to me of yours too, because you're, uh, you're deep sea fishing. You're, <laughs> you're, you're catching these huge fish that I see. You're also uh, very athletic and you, and you very push yourself very hard. Um, is, is, where did that come from? Did you grow up just yeah. in a competitive environment? I mean, I've been wired this way since probably birth. Um, now I grew up, I was the youngest of four kids. So like, right. I had two older brothers. We were, uh, my oldest brother was four years older. My, my next oldest brother was two years older. So okay, we competed at everything. I mean, every sport, right. You can imagine, every game we could create every day was a competition. Um, and so I'm just wired that way. Um, yeah. and we, we competed at everything and, and, uh, and I was a wrestler back, uh, in school and that's right. I think a lot of what I have and like my, what drives me and how I'm motivated is a lot of it, I think came from that sport um, yeah. because I think it's a phenomenal sport. You can't, it's yeah. not something you can do half ass. I mean, you've got to be, right. you've got to be all in if you're going to be successful at it. Yeah. And it really challenges you and it teaches you to be disciplined um, and how you approach things. It teaches you to be driven uh, in yeah. what you do. And, and we use a, a, a mantra around here that, that, that I love and it's called, you know, tapping your potential, teamwork, attitude, and purpose. Um, mm. And I've always thought about that. And I think about that from a business perspective, you know, teamwork is all about connecting. It's connecting with your customers, connecting with your teammates, connecting with your supplier partners. Your attitude is you know, how you attack every day. Yeah. How you show up. Um, and I think those that have the best attitude typically achieve the highest altitude uh, from a performance perspective. And then purpose is not just about having a mission or a vision of what you want to accomplish, but it's being focused and disciplined about achieving it. Um, and I think, you know, I think back on wrestling, I think a lot of, you know, what, what drives success in wrestling is kind of goes back to that teamwork attitude and purpose. Yeah. 
I, I was a, I was a, we called thumpers and mat rats. We were all in the same gym. <laughs> I was the thumper playing basketball and the mat rats that were running. Wrestling's, wrestling's big in Oklahoma. Oh so. man. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Texas. I grew up in Texas and it was, it was huge there too, right? Oklahoma and Texas is huge and wrestling. That was a different level of intensity the, the, my yeah. buddies that were in wrestling, you know, I didn't want cauliflower or so I didn't, uh, I didn't yeah, it's try. a miserable, it's a miserable <laughs> experience in a lot of ways, right? Your friends are drinking and eating and you're, you know, yeah. you're starving and right. cutting weight. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. So how do you, how do you use competition inside your organization to drive sales? Do you have an example? I mean, do you do that inside yeah, as well? We do it. I mean, I think we do it in a, in a really good way. I mean, we, we, we obviously have regions, so we have regional sales teams um, and they compete. Um, in a, in a very fun way. Um, right. but yeah, and I think that way you kind of build camaraderie and teamwork within the regions. And that's really fun to kind of uh, have that play out. But we also have, uh, what we call our president's club, uh, and our president's club, uh, is basically it's an award that we, uh, we do at our national sales meeting in January every year. And, and people are selected based on their performance across a multitude of categories. And we measure that, you know, every week our reps know where they stand. Uh, making president's club. So it's a pretty elite group uh, and it's a super elite group uh, with those folks that repeat and, and are able to do it multiple years. Cause it's hard. Cause you're, you know, your plan for the next year is on top of the performance you had on the year before. Yeah. Um, and that's a, it's, it's, it's a friendly, fun competition, um, but it's scoreboarded. So people know where they stand uh, and it drives, you know, you can see who's competitive uh, who's ambitious and you know, who wants to win. And, and they're usually the ones that, uh, that make president's club. Yeah. I can, I can, was, uh, sharing an elevator ride with you and Mark, uh, once, and you were talking about colleagues that you had brought in. I think you were out, I forget what you were doing. You, you took them out to some excursion or something. And I just loved the way you talked about these colleagues in terms of their potential. Um, it's obviously something that's a really important part of, of Alpha Broder way. Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk mm -hmm. about uh, the, the phrase that everyone hates by now, but is still so very important about supply chain, but it's not all negative. I mean, mm -hmm. adversity, as you've already taught us, because make us stronger. Um, what's changed with your manufacturing partners? A lot of us understand Alpha Broder in only one mm -hmm. way. You're our supplier, right? Um, right? But you work with a wide variety of manufacturing partners that probably feed a lot of great intel into your organization too. So what's changed with your manufacturing partners that you think affects our industry positively downstream? You already mentioned one thing, and that was the way you're handling inventory. Mm -hmm. Are there other things happening with uh, manufacturing partners that are important for us to know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that probably stemmed out of the whole COVID crisis and, and having limited capacity as they were kind of ramping back uh, production. Um, was skew rationalization and sometimes that's a, a negative word for some people um but i think it's it's positive i think it's needed in this industry and on both the hard goods side and on the apparel side i just think there's too many skews uh that are out there that just create inefficiencies whether it's in the supply chain or inventory yeah. management spreading working capital across you know too many skews is not efficient um you know for the overall industry so there's definitely been a concerted effort by most of our manufacturing partners, if not all of them, to reduce the amount of SKUs. Um, and I think that's healthy because I think that'll create a more consistent, a more reliable uh, supply chain as we go forward. Um, you know, I think the other thing that our manufacturers have kind of pushed, and I think we've done this together, is we've done a much better job of giving them extended forecasts and in many cases extended POs. Um, out further so they can really plan production um, yeah. and, you know, having a consistent, you know, view of production and be, being able to plan for capacity 
um, is really, really important for manufacturers. And I think we've done a really good job of, of working with our manufacturers to help uh, improve that. And I, and I talked about, you know, doing things, you know, shipping product direct now yeah. um, from their factories has been a big, a big change uh, that, you know, I think that that's going to continue as we go forward. Yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, about the tech investment you're making on the front end website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tech investment. Um, I am hearing one thread common with a lot of major suppliers, which by the way, I also heard this past week, one major supplier went from 4,000 to 2,000 SKUs and talked about this same yeah. interesting challenge, right? But the tech um, <clears throat> investment that I'm hearing suppliers make now seems to be bigger and more vital than ever, particularly on their infrastructure, on their internal ops, as well as their external ops. Are you doing that? Are you? Is that what you're experiencing with your tech investment? Yeah, well, we're, we've invested more in technology this year than we ever have, and that you know that investment is going to continue to grow um, yeah. from from year to year. We've done a, a couple of different things. We're I, I mentioned you know the single website, um, our one stop solution that we're building now, the single website to house all of our our products from both Alpha Broder and Prime, um, and and that's been a huge technology investment, a uh, huge endeavor, and we're we're getting to the final stages of the development work uh, over the course of the next several weeks. Uh, but we've also invested heavy in robotics technology, and not a lot of people know this. We haven't really gone out and talked about it a lot, but uh, we rolled out basically robots uh, in our Harrisburg distribution center in April, um, and we, we just rolled them out in Chicago, in our Chicago, D.C. last week. Uh, we're going to have all of our D.C.s rolled out um, by the end of Q1 2023, and um, it's incredible what this has done uh, you know, relative to our business uh, and the fact that and we can hire people now, can literally get them on the floor and being productive in a matter of a couple of days versus you know, a couple of weeks it used to take to train uh, folks. So it's driving you know, huge efficiencies uh, in our DCs. You know, it's, it's making us less dependent on hiring uh, new associates into those DCs because we're more efficient. You know, yeah. The quality has improved. Uh, our ability to turn orders quicker during the day has improved. So um, it's been a huge, uh, a huge success, uh, and we've, you know, we just we just did the second DC, so we'll have the whole network done by the end of Q1. So, you know, you think about the labor market, probably the biggest challenge, um, you know, next to the supply chain, it's right up there that we've all faced, and and this makes us less dependent um, and able to kind of deal with that challenge uh, than we've ever been. So, and you know, that's another big area again, that we've invested in technology, and we're exploring automation opportunities across you know, all of our different decoration methods that we use on the hard goods side, uh, other automation uh, in the DCs, um, because it just drives so much efficiencies, so much more quality. Um, so you know, it's not just, you know, a lot of people think about technology, you think about the website or systems, but you know, a lot of it's automation as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And in the internal infrastructure, like promo standards and all the aspects that are actually making the, the, uh, the, the, that are actually improving the process. ASI, you probably saw that report that they revealed that suppliers, there's a downward trend in accuracy and on time mm-hmm. orders. Some of that doesn't surprise us because that's, you know, that's some of that's a result of the cataclysm we've had through the pandemic. Um, but this is why I think a lot of folks are investing in that ops, right? And, yeah, yeah. No, and those quality statistics aren't surprising to me, right? You think about, you know, the challenges that, that we've all had on the supplier side from a labor perspective. I mean, you're hiring so many new people, yeah. you've got the training involved with that. And that's why this, this automation technology uh, that we've used has been, you know, so beneficial. I mean, the, the, these robots speak 35 different languages. Uh, 
And so it's, you know, it just makes training and onboarding that whole process yeah. uh, so much easier because it's really simplified um, what it is that our associates have to do. So yeah, uh, we're super excited about it. Yeah. When you think about the investment of something like that, it has to be so significant in terms of the investment um, for that. But when yeah. you think of the opportunity cost that that's going to free up where if 40 or 50% of your energy is spent around the angst of hiring and errors and getting people on board, yeah. you're solving this. Um, wow. What a, what a road ramp, what a ramp for, you know, yeah. opportunity. And, it's, and it drives, and it drives better employee engagement. Um, or, yeah. you know, it's just a better work environment. You don't have these mules. I don't know if you've ever been in one of our DCs, but I mean, these mules, we call them mules running around, um, you know, there's safety factors uh, involved. Yeah. So there, it's just, there's been a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. Consolidation is inc- accelerating and many predict what we're going to witness even greater velocity in mm-hmm. consolidation. Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend on energy for growth through organic sales versus some form of consolidation or acquisition? Do you? Well, we, we spend the bulk of our time focused on driving organic growth. Um, okay. We we're just talking about innovation, but you know, another huge area of focus for us. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do in a way that will help separate us from our competition is really focusing on improving the customer experience. Um, and so a lot of what we're doing, you know, a lot of the investments that we make are around, you know, taking friction uh, out of the process of when our customers engage with us um, and trying to create less headaches. And we've got a long way to go to get to where we want to be. Um, but that's a big area of focus because we truly believe that improving the customer experience will drive organic revenue growth. Yeah, um, we truly believe that, and so that's a big area that that, that we spend a lot of time on. Um, and I talked about some of the other areas when we think about organic growth. You know, our one-stop shop solution. Uh, you know, the single website, these multiple facilities that we're going to have, both hard goods and apparel. Yeah. Um, you know, those are all things you know that are going to drive organic growth. But you know, we evaluate acquisition opportunities, you know, we typically do you know, go through kind of a strategy review every quarter and, and, and analyze the market and acquisition uh, opportunities. And, you know, we look for opportunities where it's going to, you know, improve the value of our business, either drive efficiencies, or it's going to enhance the value proposition our offering yeah. uh, for our customers. Um, and where it makes sense, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll pursue those. But, you know, we think we have a lot of opportunity just from a pure organic perspective, just yeah. executing the strategy that we've got. And, and that's really been where we spend the bulk of our time. But to your point, Bobby, I mean, the industry is still highly fragmented, whether you're looking at the right. supplier side, you're looking at the distributor side. Um, so, you know, consolidation is going to continue. Um, I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. Um, one more question about teams and leadership. Uh, because what's unique about Alpha Broder is that you're building a cross-functional team across an enormous footprint, which includes Alpha Prime, Decorated mm-hmm. Apparel, your PPDs, decorators. It's a massive organization with a massive undertaking. You've also now developed multiple leadership teams in your current and previous roles at other companies. What what qualities make a great cross-functional team today? Well, you know, obviously having strong leadership and strong leaders and whatever the role they're in and on the team, I think it's really, really critical, but teamwork is, is so critical because so much of what we do, um, you know, is dependent, um, you know, on other departments and your ability to, you know, I think the, the terms used is, is matrix management, but your ability to work across the organization, down the organization, up the organization um, in any company today is, is more important uh, than ever. And so having people, uh, that, you know, share common values. And you know, we have a core set of values. We call it I care, integrity, customer focus, accountability, respect, and excellence. And 
having everyone grounded on the same set of core values really enables collaboration and teamwork uh, to happen. It, you know, these core values for our company serve as the foundation uh, of who we are. It's how we make decisions. It's how we hire people. It's how we promote. Um, it's how we interact with each other, um, with our, how we interact with our suppliers and our customers. So I think having that, that common foundation, if you will, is really, really important. Um, and then, you know, you look at the roles that people have. Yeah, there's some technical expertise, but, you know, if you're a good leader and you're grounded in core values and you treat people the right way, um, you're going to be you're going to be successful. Um, yeah. you know, it really comes down to that teamwork, attitude and purpose. Right. If you bring that into your role as a leader uh, and really try to tap those kind of attributes, um, I think you're going to be successful. I and mean, we're not we're not you know, building jet engines here. Right. It's it's not that technical. Um, yeah. It really comes down to relationships. And, Great point. You know, yeah. internally and externally. Yeah. Uh, most people listening will know this, but for those that are new, the PPAI is the Promotional Products Association International is the industry's largest trade association. It's a huge organization and uh, you are running for a board seat and voting is open, uh, I think now all the way through next Wednesday or something like that. Um, Dan, what made you want to run for the PPAI board? Yeah, I guess, you know, to some extent, I want to kind of give back to the industry. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, the more I can help the industry be successful, the more I can help our customers be successful. You know, selfishly, that's that's good for our company. Um, but, you know, to me, what's what's really important is, that, you know, I think about our customer base. We have 90,000 customers. Most of our customers are small businesses. Uh, and you think about the membership of, of PPAI. Many of those members our small businesses, they don't have the resources that big companies like ours, ourselves have or other big companies in the industry. So they need uh, an organization like PPAI to, to be their advocate, um, you know, to, to, to make sure that we're addressing the issues and the challenges that they're facing to help them because they don't have the resources, uh, you know, to be able to tackle some of these things or even to be educated on some of the things that, you know, potentially coming down the pike. So, uh, for me, it's it's really trying to make sure that we're helping the industry overall, but specifically as I think about you know the small businesses that are that are, are members of, of PPAI. Yeah, um, what do you see as the, you know you have a very unique perspective in that you are serving that same market and that you have this this uh, these challenges you see as an in internal ops and the tech you're trying to work through. What mm -hmm. do you see as the number one challenge stifling industry growth um, right now? Does it have to do with the ops stuff that you're tackling there at Alpha Broder, or what do you feel like? Yeah, I, challenge? And I guess another way of asking that is as you go to the mm -hmm. board, what are the one or two things that you see right now that you really want to work on? Yeah. I mean, I think what I see right now, I mean, I think the first thing I'm going to do when I get on the board is just listen, right. Is make sure I really understand what the issues are. And then I think, you know, as, as, as a member of the board for PPAI is making sure that we're prioritizing addressing those issues. We can't solve everything. Um, but we're hopefully going to be focused on the things that are the biggest priorities for the membership. Um, but you, you touched on it earlier, you know, Bobby, there's, there's so much inefficiencies um, in the system. Um, when you think about procurement, you think about sourcing, you think about fulfillment, you think how products are ordered. Um, I think, you know, we're all spending too much time on kind of the transaction side of the equation and not enough time on truly creating value for the ultimate end user. Um, so the more we can get, a, you know, get away from the transaction, the more efficient we make that, the more seamless we make that, then I think the more value can be created 
uh, you know, ultimately from the end user, which is obviously a good thing for the, for the overall industry. So that to me, I think is probably the area that, that, you know, at least out of the gate uh, that I think PPAI you know, should be focused on. And I think they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think there's just a lot of opportunity there um, for yeah. improvement. You are preaching to the choir on that one, my yeah. friend. Well, um, thank you for coming back to the SKUcast to chat about some of this today. And thanks for giving us some insight into what's going on with Alpha Broder. I always appreciate it, my friend. And one of these days, I have to, like, go deep sea fishing with you at some point. All right. Well, we're going to do it. All right. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.